The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Hello and welcome to Baseball Barbacast, the only baseball podcast in the world that showed up to spring training in the worst shape of our lives. Everyone else is looking jacked and stacked and we're wheezing, cheesing and sweating all over the place. I'm Jake Mintz. That's Jordan Schusterman. And maybe we should have lifted a little bit more over the winter. Yeah, uh, fortunately, that is not it's not like we have to show up uh, to these camps and take our physicals and, and talk to the media. No, we are down uh, in uh, two different locations. Uh, I'm in Arizona. Jake is in Florida. We're doing some some uh, spring training reporting. So Jake is sitting in his car and I'm sitting in my hotel room. It is Sunday evening, February 19th. But the show rolls on and Jake's spring training has begun. We have been here in the the earliest days of pitchers and catchers reporting. And so what the first half of this show is going to be is us just telling you what we've seen just generally. Because, you know, while we are going to be writing about a lot, Jake's already published a great uh, Philly story uh, on Fox Sports. There's a lot of stuff that's not going to make it into those stories. It's just little little moments, little things you see. And we figured we'd share them here uh, on the show today. So we're going to do that in the first half. And then in the second half, we'll we'll hit some of the news and some of the, the transactions that have happened since we last recorded. I also wanted to mention... Um, really happy with the response to the rules pod. I thought that was super fun. I'm glad with uh, how that turned out. And we hope you guys, we appreciate all the emails and, and the feedback we got on that. So that was very cool. Uh, you can keep those emails coming. Baseball at gmail.com. That's B-A-R-B cast. Uh, but Jake, we are indeed at spring training. Where would you like to begin uh, this journey, this review of what we've seen so far? Well, I just want to say that spring training absolutely slaps. It rules. <laughs> I love spring training, dude. I love it. I would do four months of spring training, a month of the regular season, and two months of playoffs if you made me the commissioner of baseball, which is a great reminder to all the people who tweeted Jordan and I and Foolish Baseball and John Boy, like, you guys should be commissioner. No, we shouldn't because we don't have a grasp of labor law. That's a good place to start, actually, because my first stop, um, so we've been here since uh, we both got got here uh, to our respective uh, spring training uh, sites, uh, states, I should say, on, on Wednesday evening. And my first stop on Thursday was the Mariners. And literally the first thing I heard said in a in a you know little scrum was Scott Service talked at 8 a.m. on Thursday morning was. Oh, I wish spring training. Like I miss the shortened spring that we had last year. That was the first thing he said. It was like, oh, spring training does not need to be this long. And I know there's a lot of reasons why it is this long now. We're back to renewable. And I know some people like it like you. But it is funny because that sentiment that you just shared, I don't think is is uh, in common with either the people playing or the people showing up or most of our media brethren, I would say. But in general, I understand why you're saying it, and I do agree. <laughs> you and I are the specific media demographic and the specific baseball fan demographic for whose spring training exists, right? Mm -hmm. Most baseball fans want to tune in to see Ronald Acuna against Clayton Kershaw, bottom of the ninth in the NLCS, right? But you and I are like, oh my God, it's Bailey Falter taking PFPs. 
Like, that's what I want. That's what fires me up. Ron Washington running bunt drills, right? Yeah. Like, that, to me, fills my tank as much as a postseason baseball game. And maybe we have warped brains, no, but we're, that's we're just sick. how we feel. We're, we're sickly individuals. And then, of course, again, you could go listen to how what we did in the evenings, which is go to college baseball games, because we can't, we can't help it. Like, we, with games being back, especially, you know, college baseball games, but with baseball being back, like, we just want to be doing all of it all the time but baseball of course is winter league whatever but being able to smell it to see it to touch it to feel it to hear it i think is maybe the maybe the most important sense uh at a at a, at a spring training uh complex all of those things we have gotten to do over these last few days um and we're going to tell you about some of some of our favorite things that we've seen so and yeah. i think something that jordan and i really love to do and, and an important part of the things that we create are like player stuff like seeing players and telling stories about players and players are so much more accessible and open and around during spring training and it gives us the ability to tell some really cool stories and learn some very interesting things about some of these players and these teams that we wouldn't otherwise know so let's actually start there jordan let's begin with you at mariners camp what was you as like a mariners aficionado Going right there, you did not pass go or collect two hundred dollars. Went right to Peoria. What was your takeaway for Mariners camp? Yeah. So another thing, important thing to note about us coming down here is, I mean, obviously people, everyone listening to this knows that spring training just started, but spring training is also a different exercise in March versus in February. Right. This is before any of the games have started, and so everything that Jake is referring to in terms of the generally relaxed nature uh, of of the camp is is magnified because the reality is they're not having to get ready for a game even if they're only going to play in a couple innings like everyone is just coming in to get their work done to do their pfps to throw a side bullpen whatever um and i i would say that you know the highlight of of my stop at the mariners camp it was you know first one first one to go <laughs> was definitely definitely coming in hot it was the first day julio uh had had arrived at camp i know it was a little bit before official position players pitching but i'm know, sure just, it was it was it kind of an under the radar entrance for julio like you just no one well, really noticed well, he showed up well, it's more of, of course, everyone knows he's just another example of like, you know, you you can hear him down the hallway, but him and Eugenio Suarez, who both showed up at the same day, like watching them just like go teammate by teammate and like, you know, say hello. You haven't seen these guys since the postseason. Right. Um, it's just such a cool thing. Right. I mean, it's a, the first day of school type thing. And it's, it's it's such a random assortment of players. And you have the the minor league players that are in there who got called up and you got that side of the clubhouse. And usually they're organized in that way. But Suarez in particular, I mean, his being known for being the good vibes only guy. It is so true 24 seven for that guy. It is. He is so hilarious and just what a what a treat to be around as a person. Um, so yeah, Suarez showing up was even even more entertaining, I would say. That's a good transition to my experience at Yankees camp where you have like the juxtaposition of there, there are like three different things going on, right? There are teammates who haven't seen each other in a long time reuniting. So there that was like Ron Marinaccio and Michael King and Clay Holmes, right? Seeing each other after a long offseason or, you know, I didn't get to see like that reunion because those pitchers had been there. But like seeing that type of reunion amongst guys is one thing. Then there's the like Carlos Rodon interacting with Garrett Cole, where it's these two super famous people like meeting and everyone like getting to know mm -hmm. each other. And then there's like the NRIs interacting and being like, hi, I'm Tyler, right? <laughs> these people literally don't know each other. And they're just like next to these very highly paid 
like famous baseball players. And that's what I wanted to talk about with the Yankees is the idea of an NRI, a non-roster invite, a player who is invited to spring training is not guaranteed a roster spot. And 99% of these NRIs usually in 99 is too high. 80% of these NRIs don't make the team. They're no, there no, for it's depth. Higher than that. It's higher than that. If you're, yeah. if you're, if you're not on the roster, you're non non 40 man roster. Right. Right. Like that's, that's so it, I think it is over 90% that, that non roster guys making the big league team. That, that is very, very rare. So, but right. it is to your point though, it is a hilarious combination of top prospects who are maybe not have the admin ads of the 40 men yet, but that's just because they're young and they're really good, right? Like Colson Montgomery, for example, a guy I saw at White Sox camp today, right? Like, but then it's like half or maybe, you know, a third like prospects, random prospects who just are too young and they're hot shots. And then it's just a who's who of just veterans that have passed through many different camps as NRIs over the last half decade. And it's like usually Jake Cave. Um if you if you want to know what that is, it's like Wilmer Defoe is in Yankees camp. That's right? a it's better like one. That. That's a better one. Jake Cave is too Cave good. Is a little Jake too, yeah, too that's good. a little too disrespectful. But no, they, they, yeah. there are definitely a lot of infielders, and obviously, just the pitchers that you see. Like you know, I go into to Reds. That was the next place I went, and it's like there's Daniel Norris, like there's Chad Pinder, there's like guys that had like just signed the day before, like they've literally never met any of these people, right? So it's like, that's another, it, it, I, as you as you kind of described the dynamic that is very fun to watch. But the NRI dynamic for me is even funnier in Yankees camp because the Yankees are the Yankees. They have to shave and they're wearing the pinstripes and there's a certain gravitas that it, it does exist to be a Yankee. There is a it's almost like playing in another league of baseball. The level of fame that the Yankees carry, even for two people like us who don't love the Yankees, are willing to admit that it's almost a different thing to be a Yankee, right? But then you're also a non-roster invite at the same time. So you're like the 55th most important player at Yankees camp, and you still have to like shave and do all the Yankee shit, but like you're not going to make the team and you're not going to be on the Yankees when the season starts. It's just a really odd situation there. Another one of my favorite things that just has a very practical uh, consequence is in spring training is just how many people we're stuffing into these clubhouses and oh. how some people end up with lockers like essentially facing the wall or like you'll see two people sharing a locker or you'll see like a makeshift like that they had to bring in an additional one. Now I know that camps have just been getting bigger and bigger, bigger over years. And this year, especially a lot of teams have taken the advantage to add more um, because of the WBC and team guys are going to be leaving. But that's another thing that walking into each of these clubhouses, how they arrange it and how crowded it is 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 very very funny <laughs> so going to yankees camp uh, i saw a friend of the show friend of the program carlos Rodon, and he says hello to everybody to all the listeners he said say hello to the listeners hello carlos but the important thing to know about carlos is that he has a mustache and as a member of the yankees he you know he's not allowed to have a whole beard situation but he said to me that he's committed to the mustache and that he plans on having the mustache for his first big league start as a yankee and to me, that is perfect because if you listen to the interview with Carlos, you get the vibe of Carlos and you know that he is, he is even as a Yankee, going to maintain some of his own spice. And that fires me up. I also yeah. had another situation with Carlos where a media member was like, does he look like he's gained weight? And I was like, <laughs> have you ever seen him in person? And they were like, no. And I was like, nope, he's just freaking huge. Yep. He is a large, a large, large lad. Um, 
Yankees, again, will be one of the biggest. Reds, I was at Reds camp, also, of course, be one of the biggest stories in baseball this year. Um, so, yeah, that was, that was. I mean, yeah, I, for me, it's fun because I'm I'm now living, Reds are going to be my home ballpark, so it was just good to get to know uh, some of those guys. Joey Votto had not arrived yet when I got there uh, for, on my second day, so I might circle back since I do believe he is now uh, in attendance in Goodyear. If Jordan is going to be at, at uh, Great American Ballpark for like 20 games this year, 25 games. His only job, the only assignment that I have given him for this MLB season is he needs to create a relationship with Joey Votto. If you are like subjected to covering the 2023 Cincinnati Reds and you do not get Joey Votto on the pod within the year, I will disown you as a business partner. I just Challenge want to let you accepted. know that. Extremely fair. Uh, my other uh, takeaway from Red's camp, because Joey Votto was not there, was Tyler Stevenson. And just thinking about catchers and how different, like there was a lot of discourse talking to some players about how like hitters, like I talked to some hitters who were just like, God, the pitchers have it so easy. Like they don't have to do anything <laughs> in spring training if they're not throwing live MVP. Like they are chilling. But like if you're Tyler Stevenson, you just, again, we talk about catchers all the time. But for spring training, he's like, he's like, yeah, I got to go to this. I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to go to this. It's like, it's crazy. Like that's, those are the guys that are getting worked and it's middle of February. Absolutely. Like the reason it's pitchers and catchers is because the pitchers need someone to throw to. And the reason the pitchers get there early is so that they can build up for the season. They needed like that extra time in theory. And if there was a scenario where they could just hire like seven catchers from like the local, you know, high school or whatever to like come catch bullpens, I would imagine that some of the catchers would be happy to do that. And this is a good trend. Do you have anything else on this? Because No, I no, no. But it related. just made me think about it. Like, I'm just, again, I'm perpetually impressed by catchers, but especially in spring when a lot of the guys do just get their work done and they're out of there by 11.30 or 12, but the catcher's just then he has to hit and then he has to work on blocking and then he has to, like, it's just a lot. So so yeah. Sal Fasano, who is the catching coach for the Atlanta Braves, where I was today on Sunday and yesterday on Saturday, he, I was watching him do a lot of drills and, and I've decided that, Sal Fasano is the Ron Washington of catching, but no one has decided to film it yet. Nope. Right. Um, it's like the same kind of thing. It's less, he's, he's a different kind of character, Sal, but it's the same type of considered coaching idea. He does a lot of catching drills standing because he knows that the catchers are spending so much time in a squat and they're so tired during spring training that they, he creates drill work so that they can do it while they're standing, which is so interesting and considered and, the type of thing only a former big league catcher who was at a lot of pitchers and catchers would understand. And so the role of the catcher in spring training, you're right. It is its own thing because it's like pitchers <laughs> and their temps. <laughs> it's that. And, and they, they have the heaviest bag, right? It's just like oh. everything that the catchers have to do is just, it's anyway, but it's a good point about Fasano. Like when I think I, you know, we talk, Wash with infield. I guess like Jerry Weinstein is known as a, as a catching guy. Uh, it's not a name that necessarily people are gonna know off the top of their heads, but you could look him up and you'll you'll know why I'm saying that. But yeah, that's that's good. And that's and and teaching catching is definitely a, an important thing. And it's just it's a lot of work, man. <laughs> it just does not seem like fun. Shouts out to Sal who gave me once he was done. He gave me five minutes of catching tips today. Oh, that's cool. That's great. I like yeah. I got a little. I got a little bit of run. Uh, so that was my time. I guess I'll just hop into Braves camp. I don't really okay, need yeah. to go in order. Yeah. I did two days at Braves camp because the ratio of media members to importance of team is the most out of whack at Braves camp. Like if you go to a Yankees camp, 
you can't like get into the locker room like every national reporter and the Yankees beat is twice the size. Like it's just oversaturated where if you go to Braves camp, there's like five, maybe four or five beats and then like a couple of the TV stations and like that's it. And so at Braves camp, you get a lot more bang for your buck. And so that's kind of why I went two days in a row. And I guess, you know, I saw Ronald Acuna hit a home run doing BP. I saw Michael Harris make like an insane Willie Mays catch while shagging today where like the gate to the outfield was open. And so like he ran, caught the ball and just like ran out like towards the clubhouse and kept going. Kind of like that Randy Moss touchdown catch. I think it was Randy Moss who did that. Yeah, he um, ran into the tunnel. Yeah. We just ran into the tunnel. Yeah, it was like kind of like that, but way lower stakes. Um, and then, you know, they do live BP, which is super cool, where you have teammates facing off against one another. And Ian Anderson faced off against Matt Olson. And I got to sit and watch that with like Freed and Strider and a bunch of the other and Kyle Wright and like watch them watch their teammates face off. And like I was the only media member there, which was really cool and like getting to hear that type of thing you just learn a lot of how like about how guys talk about the game in that type of scenario and i'm very fortunate and humbled that like i got to have that type of experience also i mean that's like the highest version of that but yeah another thing you'll see in obviously spring training is just like live vps backfields for prospects or minor league guys and you'll see who's friends because the friends go and watch their friends right now in that case there's some teams that certainly have more of a reputation where like all the starters will always watch all the live vps and that i'm sure that varies between organizations but it's also fun to see just the very specific ones like i saw bryce miller do a live vp for the mariners and like isaiah campbell was there and brian Wu was there and emerson hancock was there like the other prospects that he's been pitching with will, will show up and watch him so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the whole Braves rotation came out to see Anderson. Like Morton was there. Uh, Matic, who I know reliever was there. Uh, McHugh was there. Like it, it is cool how that how that happens. And the last thing from Braves camp, I had a conversation, uh, a long conversation with Ron Washington and Eric Young Sr. And the thing about Braves camp, Jordan, is you smell it and then you hear it and then you see it. You smell the cigarette and cigar smoke. You hear Ron Washington and Eric Young yelling at each other. And then you see them and their joyous banter. It is incredible. These two guys are absolute, just lovely patrons of this game. And something that I asked them, I went up to and I said, what time is your alarm set for in the morning? Because spring training starts so freaking early. And I'm curious that for these guys, like Ron Washington has been doing this for freaking ever, right? Forever. And I'm curious, like, what's his routine? He is up every day, 4.30, sets the alarm, wakes up at 4.30. He goes over to Eric Young Sr.'s apartment. He knocks on his door. He checks on Eric Young Sr. He says, hey, I'm going to give you a ride to the yard. They go to the yard. They work out. They have breakfast. They work out. And then they go and they coach. And then they're in bed asleep by like, Wash said he's uh, in bed at 8.30, lights out at 9 every night. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it's unsustainable otherwise. <laughs> but but that is, uh, that's amazing. Yeah. No, I, it is. And, you know, there's some some variants. Some some camps are right are starting at 8, some are 9.30. Like it's, some, I, like yeah. the Cubs have been a little more lax. They're starting a little bit later. Like I know some managers think it's like, this is stupid. Why are we getting, like, because think about this. But it's like, that's not, that is not what you're ever doing during the regular season is doing that. But it's more about guys just want to go play golf. So that's why Bingo. they'd rather get all the work done. <laughs> Guys want to go play golf, which is a story that you can read next week over at FoxSports.com. Uh, how much guys want to play golf? Last thing, and this was from Sal Fasano, 
I asked him the alarm question and he said, I set my alarm for 4 a.m., but I have yet to wake up from the alarm. I have been so excited to come in that I am waking up like ahead of time before my alarm goes off at like 3.32 or whatever. And I was like, that's nuts. And he was like, okay, well, let me put it to you this way. If you had a 35-minute sit-down interview today with Bryce Harper, just the two of you, you would be nervous and you would wake up before your alarm, right? And I was like, yeah. He was like, that's how I feel every day coming in to work. And I was like, you're an absolute nut and I would want you as my catching coach. That's incredible. Right. Like still, to still be feeling that passionate about coming in and like showing Sean Murphy like, okay, actually you're going to move your this way. <laughs> it's like Right. Like, and in a way yeah. that's not a bit, like his yeah. body clock, like his his, yeah, yeah. his like his like you know his 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 body is literally being like you're amped wake up yeah. <laughs> it's like okay but it's three same thing with with Washington again but you mentioned they're doing it forever it's like that's that's that is it there it's very right. very very normal for them so um no that's that's fantastic and yeah I mean the Braves I mean there's there's no shortage of people there that have have been a big relevant part of the the story of Major League Baseball over the last few seasons and I imagine that is still going to be true there's a lot of good uh, baseball players. I also talked to Spencer Strider for about an hour and 15 minutes today. Uh, and I will just say this, that guy freaking rules. <laughs> That's... I, I can't boil down an hour and 15 minutes with Spencer Strider into the time we have here. Um, but if you want to, you can in case hack you were into wondering, me. in case you were wondering, you can hack into me and Jordan's phones after we finish the pod. And I tell Jordan about the whole conversation. Jordan, tell me about cubs camp yes cubs camp was good cubs camp was it it does it i'm sure you you saw this and you you wrote about this with 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 rob thompson to some degree but like this is really where the manager shines like the manager is really setting the tone for everything and for how what mood we're all going to be in you know skipping ahead like for the white Sox, like all the talk is about like pedro Foles here to clean our shit up and to have us be playing, you know, good, clean, fundamental baseball, which normally is like, okay, whatever, duh, you're major leaguers. But like, there was an appreciation for that level of resetting, obviously, after Tony La Russa and everything that came along with him. So, Grafol, but it's much more understated. Whereas like, David Ross at Cubs camp is just everybody's friend, right? In a very positive, cool, inspiring way that from the prospects up to the best players on the Cubs now, it's like David Ross is just coming around. It's like, I'm running the show. We're having a good time. We'll start late. That's fine. We're not, we don't need to be here. It's like, I'm not a drill sergeant. He's, he's not pretending to be someone that he isn't. And that permeates throughout all of it. And, you know, when you consider, obviously, the guys that they added at the big league level, big league level, but also what they have coming, like, it does feel like, you know, the corner is, is being turned there. And, you know, I'm, I'm still a little bit skeptical for, for how good they can be this season. But, like, they're clearly going in the right direction in a, in a very quick way. And, yeah, that that is that is obviously exciting. But no, I mean, again, there's a little. I got to see you know PCA do a little uh, live BP. Um, it was it was great because you know he's facing like Javier Assad and then Anthony K, who's an, an NRI, and like Assad, you know, he ropes a double. It was like, like great, cool. And then like K, who's like you know struggled to stay in the big leagues recently, but like a, a, a tough lefty, made him look like an absolute dummy. Like, and he said that after he's like, yeah, I have no idea. I don't know what to do with that. Right. <laughs> and that's another good reminder of just like how good the average NRI big leaguer is and like why these live BPs are so important. Right. Like, of course, you're not going to get to face, you know, Max Scherzer and like you can't replicate that. But it is still so important for these guys to have these opportunities. And like if you needed to win a baseball game tomorrow and it was like you could have Anthony Kay or 
Pete Crow Armstrong. Like you would take Anthony K every single time. Yeah. There are yeah. so many players that you would rather have tomorrow that you've never even thought about than Jason Dominguez, right? Yeah, that are like because right just at the just below comfortly big, you know, comfortably big leaguers. But that's that's what these NRIs are, and they're they're just trying to figure out one quick thing so that I can get back to being an actual big leaguer. And like that line is is fascinating, and like those roster battles that is such a big part of spring training, and it is always interesting to me. Um, yeah. So yeah, no, but Cubs camp is cool. I mean, they it's just they're 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 in, they're in a good mood there. They're they're trending in in the right direction. Um, so yeah, tell me about speaking of in the good mood. I, I mean, the Phillies have been in a good mood for what five straight months now. Uh, Party goes like, on, baby. It seems like that carried over uh, in your stop in Clearwater. Yeah, uh, the party went on. I uh, walked into the Phillies clubhouse, and one of my buddies tossed me a brew, which I shotgunned on my forehead. And then we sang Dick Down in Dallas on repeat until the Crows came home. That's actually what Philly Spring Training is. They just they just booze. They actually don't practice. They just sit in the locker room and, and crack brews and crack jokes. No, I kid. Uh, it was very fun to show up at Philly's camp and just see all these people who were so central to our lives in October. But I have to ask. I mean, to feel like someone was was missing, you're a little a little bummed, and and I don't know who you think I'm talking about, but tell me who you think I'm about to reference. You're talking about Matt Veerling and Nick Maton, I assume. Yes, yes, yeah, the yes. two vibe lords that the Phillies traded away for Gregory Soto uh, and Cody Clemens over the offseason. They were not there. There was uh, no shrine to be seen to the fallen comrades, but there was uh, there was more than enough banter to go around. When Brandon Marsh walked into the clubhouse, you knew about it. He told me that while everyone else is golfing, he's taking nice long walks on the beach, just up and down the shore. And at first I was like, that's cute. And then I realized you've never done Florida spring training because you've been on the Angels the whole time. You're used to just being in Arizona and like doing stuff in Scottsdale. And so he's just like finding his beach. Literally, Brandon Marsh is finding his beach. Uh, so it's good to see him. Good to see Team Israel, catcher Garrett Stubbs, friend of the show. That was great. The vibes are like Trey's Turner is such a perfect fit there. Like he's going to be friends with JT and Bryce. It's just such an obvious thing. Um, something that stood out to me was Andrew Painter, who is the Phillies top prospect. What was interesting for him, right? Like he's the best pitching prospect in baseball and day one of Phillies camp for a team that just won the NL and was like one of the biggest stories and had this incredible season that rejuvenated the fan base. Andrew Painter was the biggest story. Like, he is what people cared about. And everyone showed up to watch his bullpen. It was an event. I wasn't there. That wasn't the day I went. But I heard reports that it was, like, packed. It's like, you know, front row seats. You had to get him to see Painter throw. That's a great point. I think that is an element of... We know the like everyone else, it's like, even Trey Turner, like you know exactly what you're getting. And it almost already feels like he's just been on the Phillies, whatever, right? But like th the possibility of adding this next new thing at some point this season, maybe. And and yeah, I mean, he just had one of the best seasons we've seen from a minor league pitcher in a long time. Um, so that there, those kind of prospects are going to get hyped no matter what. But it's a, it is a good point for like a defending, you know, nationally champion for that to be the story is a little weird. Guys are just interested to see things that they don't know about. Yeah. Every player on the Phillies has seen Trey Turner play baseball. Yep. <laughs> oh, I would guess none of them have seen Andrew Painter play baseball. Yeah. None pretty, of them. Yeah. It probably, unless there was some rehab situation. Yeah. Yeah. No. And 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 obviously he's just what he's 19 still. Um, and he did did all in his first full season. And 
it's it's crazy. It's it's really. Uh, but but also the other thing is, it's not like you know they took Mick Abel beforehand, and Mick Abel's been good. But like you have to ascend to a level of like historic best pitching prospect in baseball, whatever the way the painter has this quickly to get the attention of the big leaguers. Like you do have to get to that next, next, next level because there are a lot of prospects in big league camp, and not all of them are going to get that much attention. Um, but pitchers by na- by nature, because their work is can be an event, right? One prospect's BP is not necessarily going to draw a crowd. Sometimes it does, but generally, you know, it like Julio is actually a good example of that. Like Julio last year and the year before, it was it became more of an event. But we're really talking about the top, 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 top guys, and Painter is obviously that. So yeah, the the last thing for Phillies camp for for the you know the big uh, big hard the ball fans out there, uh, Scott Kingery, Jordan Scott Kingery, who signed the extension with the Phillies and then has proceeded to do absolutely bupkis. Uh, he looks great. He looks great, Jordan. He looks svelte. He looks smaller. He looks that's happy. That's a good thing. That's, let's clarify a, why that's good. Yeah. So the for those who don't know the Kingery story, I'll, I'll uh, handicap it. Ready? Scott Kingery uh, drafted at a University of Arizona, makes a lot of contact, uh, is trending to be like athletic Ben Zobrist kind of for the Phillies. May, he signs a big extension. Gabe Kapler leaves. And he gets hurt. He has some injuries. Like he doesn't totally mesh with Joe Girardi. Girardi kind of gets in his head a little bit. Um, doesn't really trust him. Gets hurt again. Goes down to the minors. Doesn't hit at all. And he's just given the Phillies like absolutely zero production at the big league level. He's been horrible. He ended up being decent in AAA last year. I think he's like a average line. Um, but every year in camp, it's like, oh, Scott Kingery. Oh, yeah. In one year. Sorry. One year he showed up way too jacked. It can't like he was like too big and like couldn't swing at all because his biceps were in the way. He looks good. Um, anything they get from him is a bonus, even if he's a bench bat in the big leagues. But like you see the guy move and you see him play baseball. It's like, God, he's a fun player. Yeah. No, wow. Was, that would and be he great. had we saw it like 28, 2019, like league average hitter, you know, 19 homers. Uh, I mean, that's a that's a juice ball for, the, yeah. for sure. It's, <laughs> but it, it's basically like yeah. a hotter. Brendan Donovan. Mm, mm, it it could it should have been. I mean that Donovan yeah. was already better than Kingery ever was at the big league level. But yeah, sure. No, that was that's not a, a terrible comp for what you were hoping he was going to become. Uh, Jordan, why don't you tell us about White Sox camp and then we'll take a quick break. Yes. Yeah, so White Sox camp was very strange. Um, now I mentioned the, the you know the full changes makes a big difference, obviously, because Tony Larusa just that that dominated so much of just the oxygen about the White Sox over the last few seasons. And so having just like a regular, ge- ge- relatively generic manager, and I mean this in the best possible way, <laughs> is is great. And that's a good change of pace that I'm sure everybody there appreciates. So that's obvious, but just a weird, like coming off a season like that, like I am kind of between like, I'm worried, no Jose Abreu, like a lot of these things, but at the same time, it's like, there's still so much really high end talent on this team that was either hurt or inexplicably not nearly as good last year that just being around those, I was like, oh, like this core, we were so just looking at Moncada and Robert and Eloy hanging out together and Tim Anderson was there and healthy and, and hanging out. It's like, 
there's still a lot of awesome baseball players on this team that there's a version where it can go well. Now, the other thing that we have to mention, of course, that has dominated White Sox camp storyline is, is the Mike Clevenger situation. We talked about that in a few episodes ago. And there's been some developments recently just with, you know, his his accuser, uh, Olivia Feinstead, going on radio and kind of talking a little bit more about all of what happened to her. And, and of course, you know, Clevenger, you know, the, the father of her of her kid and. It's just getting really messy. And, and the reality is, is that he's still showing up to camp. And it seems that the White Sox, you could say, yes, you just release him, but still an active investigation going on. It, listen, I don't know what the best way to handle this. It's very easy to say, yeah, just release him. And I, I of course, I, I believe that. Of course, it's easy to say that. The White Sox, for whatever reason, have chosen, no, he's going to still be on the team until the investigation is complete. And so he's just around and just walking around. And it just, it just feels off. It just feels very strange. And then... In the very same clubhouse, you have Liam Hendricks, who's battling cancer, and he's around. He's also around. And so you have just these totally, totally different separate stories and the clubhouse reaction and having the players having to ask or answer about Clevenger and then having to answer about Hendricks, like just really odd and strange and uncomfortable for a lot of people. But I mean, let's just stay positive here. I mean, just seeing Liam Hendricks just around and just laughing and talking. So I'm talking to Giolito and like. It's it's really cool, and I mean, you know, who knows what we just want him to be healthy and, and, and be back. But as as we mentioned when we first talked about it, like everybody loves Liam Hendricks, and so it was cool to just see him still, you know, able to be around his teammates. So that was very cool. So shouts out to Liam Hendricks, but yeah, White Sox just a weird spot. But my overall takeaway is they still have a lot of really good players, and they could totally win the division. So <laughs> that was uh, that was kind of my takeaway there. Those are our letters from camp. Maybe we'll write home and give you more mom and dad later in the week. I still need to see the pirates and the Orioles. I'm going to, if I really am in the mood, I'll go down and see the Red Sox, but you know, probably won't because it's too far away. And Jordan has a couple more places to visit as well, but we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to run through some of the, you know, we're not going to look at it through our eyes. All right. We're going to talk about some of the bigger news stories happening in spring training right now. We'll talk to you in a second. Negro Leagues Baseball Museum President Bob Kendrick hosts the SiriusXM original podcast, Black Diamonds. The Negro Leagues didn't care what color you were, and they didn't care what gender you were. Can you play? Hear stories of the leagues and legends that shaped sport, culture, and society. That's why the museum is so important. It's like, we are never going to forget you. Episodes of the award-winning Black Diamonds are now available wherever you get your podcasts. We're not talking about balls and strikes. We're talking about your life. And we're back here on Baseball Barbacast. I'm Jake Mintz. That's Jordan Schusterman. And only one of us is recording this show from their rental car in the parking lot of a P.F. Chang's near the Tampa Bay airport. And it's not Jordan. Jordan, let's run through some of the nibs and notes from around the baseball world. Where would you like to begin? Uh, let's just begin with the Corbin Burns being like, yo, arbitration's pretty fucked up. <laughs> it's like, yeah, dude. Uh, Corbin Burns lost the arbitration case against the Brewers. And apparently within it, the Brewers were doing all these things to negate how awesome Corbin Burns is. That's what arbitration is. It is fucked up. And it can is you give, unfortunate. Can you give people... Can you give people who may not know a very brief overview of arbitration? Sure. So uh, for players who are in their third to sixth years of service time, they go through or most of them uh, go through a process called arbitration. 
if now again you can agree on a contract number beforehand, but basically it's an it's an elevating escalating scale. And if you do not agree to contract terms before a certain deadline during the offseason, you can go to arbitration. And what that means is that you, the player, and the team both file at a number for what you believe you should be paid based on other players similar to you over the past years and what they've been paid. So you just say a number. I say, I want to be paid $10 million. And the team says, I want to be paid $8 million. And sometimes it's that big of a difference. Sometimes it's less than a million dollars, which is in the case of Corbin Burns. But the way that it goes is that it goes to a case. It goes to a hearing and there's a panel of, of arbitrators that decide who wins. And because at that point, there's no such thing as compromise. So one side has to win. Sometimes the player wins and they make their case. Again, their agents make their case. They say, I deserve to be paid this based on this. And the team says, no, you deserve to be paid this based on this. And what that means, because the team is obviously always trying to pay less, is that they are trying to say, you are not as good as you are saying you are to their own players, which is just a crazy system for a million reasons. And so what that is, is the Brewers taking the pitcher that has been by far their best player and one of the best pitchers in the world, what very short list of best pitchers in the world, and they argued against him saying that, no, you're actually not that good. You deserve to be paid this and not that. And the Brewers won um, for whatever reason, right? And what Corbin Bird said is basically like, yeah, that was hurtful because I had to sit in there and listen to them talk about how much I'm not as good as I believe I am when all the things that I've accomplished for this team over the last few years, that is the nature of it. And it's also like, yeah, that's... That's I can imagine that being really, really, really unfortunate. And while arbitration does not totally ruin relationships across the league all the time, it would not be surprising at all if this is a situation where it's like, yeah, I'm not not feeling so warm and fuzzy about being a brewer the way maybe I did the day before. Um, And it's an unfortunate part of this very weird business and sport that we follow. Yeah, it's like having a divorce hearing like court proceeding when you're still married. It's like these two people like saying all these horrible things about one another. And then it's like, Oh, I'm still on the team. Like I'm like, still here. It's like, Oh, and then they're just going to go back to like, obviously uh, publicly. It's like, and, and this is the other thing. I understand why Burns would say this because the team cannot respond in this situation. The team is not in a position to come back and be like, like they want whatever, but they're moving on. Um, but it's just, it's just ugly. And we, we hear situations like this every time, but not that I think the Brewers were necessarily going to be able to extend Corbin Burns anyway, but it does feel like he's more likely going to be gone uh, sooner rather than later. So disappointing and weird, but love Corbin Burns. And talking to players, like players care about this stuff. Oh, yeah. Players think about ARB as a thing so much. Even guys who are done with it. Like yeah. guys on extended contracts are just thinking about ARB, talking about ARB, tracking guys' ARB. Like ARB is huge. And for Corbin Burns, I bet you every single player in baseball is pissed that the Brewers did that. And in the future, if the Brewers, if there's a a player choosing between two teams and the money's equal and it's the Brewers and another team that didn't do this, that has a chance to play a role, I'd imagine. Uh, Jacob DeGrom is a player who will never, ever, ever, ever suit up for the Brewers. I feel good about that (laughs) statement. I thought you were going to say, that's a man that doesn't need to think about arbitration anymore. (laughs) Well, that too. uh, The newest Texas Ranger has showed up to camp and, oh, uh, he's got a little injury. I don't know if it's an injury. He's got a, he's got a, uh, what would you call it, Jordan? A boo-boo, an ailment, a knock. It's enough for a headline. That's every, like, it's just been the nature of it. And, like, let's, let's be clear. Like, I would like Jacob deGrom to pitch. (laughs) He is amazing. Like, he, I, even, like, whatever team, 
but at the same time, like when you see it over and over again, it's not just about the perspective of a Mets fan being like, whew, okay, well, now I don't have to worry about this anymore. And all the Mets fans hop into the replies being like, get used to it, right? Like, it's, I would like to watch Jacob DeGrom pitch. It is a very enjoyable thing for me as a baseball fan. And any little, every little moment, like, that's just a reputation that he has now. And and until he goes back out there and makes 30 starts again, that's just kind of how it's going to work. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> that's just how it's going to work. This is, I'm not a big Game of Thrones person. I watched the show, but I didn't read the books. This is how I imagine Game of Thrones fans feel about George R. R. Martin and him not writing the last book in the series. <laughs> they want him to write the book, right? But every time he does an interview where he's like, oh, the book's going to come. Oh, I'm get This is yeah. what it's going to be. They were like, okay, write the book. Just write the book. Like, and for like, DeGrom, we just, all want him to write it, the book. Can you, like, again, and, and it, because it was the first thing, it was like, Jacob DeGrom felt something. And, like, the, here's the other thing. It's impossible to know how serious any of it is ever with him. And that's the other issue is that it's not even a benefit of the doubt thing. It's just like it's very possible that he's completely fine and he's healthy and he's about to make 30 starts. But because of how the last three years have gone, why would I believe that? <laughs> and so right. and so that's where we're at. And that's why, like, they're stuck in this possible position, which, like, I don't blame the Rangers for being cautious. At the same time, you have to understand why the fans are going to react that way immediately. Yes. So that's the DeGrom situation. Reportedly, he's going to throw a bullpen this week, but he could also break a rib. So we really have no idea. Uh, Speaking of injuries, Frankie Montas, the slated number five starter for the New York Yankees, showed up to camp and had a shoulder boo-boo that's going to require him going under the knife. I don't know if it's been expanded on beyond shoulder surgery. Well, he's had, I mean, he's had these issues before. So it seems like this was another case where it was like, Maybe you could have gotten it taken care of, but obviously shoulder stuff's a little more complicated. It's scary. Shoulder surgery is a lot scarier than elbow surgery. Um, and they had and a it, lot of ramp ups and ramp downs with him, yep. I believe, throughout the offseason. And he just yep. couldn't get it right. He showed up to camp. He got cut open. Yeah. But like also, <laughs> I mean, I don't even know why they bother. Yeah. The best case will be back at the end of the season. OK, sure. Like, let's operate as if that's not happening. And so, yeah, I guess just quickly, like, what what the, what's going to happen? Again, it's a good thing you have Garrett Cole, Carlos Rodon, Nestor Cortez, and Luis Severino. Like, that's that's sweet, right? So it's not we don't have to be too harsh on the five-starter. But we had this exact conversation, you know, when they signed Rodon, and you said, wow, if Frankie Montas is your five, you have one of the best rotations in the league, if not the best rotation in the league. Well, okay, now he's not your five. So where does that lead them? So you, I think you also have to take into account the fact that Severino has made like 20 starts over the last four years. I understand he threw a hundred innings last year, but he's just as much of an injury concern as any healthy pitcher in baseball. Yeah. If that makes sense. It's it's, I don't know if it's that he's an injury concern. It's that like you cannot pencil in 200 or even 30 starts in the same way, just because he's still coming back. He's still. Yeah, correct. So that also goes into it. And so the Yankees pitching depth a year ago at this time, freaking slapped. They actually had a lot of guys in AAA who were young who they could bring up. They traded a lot of those guys to get Frankie Montas and Scott Efros. Scott Efros got Tommy John. Frankie Montas got so- shoulder surgery. And I think Yankees fans who were hating on Cash for that and on, on, on GM Brian Cashman, I think that's misplaced. Like, you can't plan for those injuries and if both of those guys hit, then it looks great, right? 
the options now, I would imagine that Domingo Herman, who is not uh, easy to root for, he will move into the five spot in the rotation. Behind him, it's like Clark Schmidt, who was in the bullpen last year. He could get some starts. And then after that, it's like a huge drop off to Davey Garcia, who was incredible in 2020, but then went full six to Sanchez. And we haven't heard about him since. Luis Heal, who has shown spurts, but he got Tommy John and won't be back till like May or June. And then this guy named Randy Vasquez, who seems like a super fun pitcher to watch, but has just not proven above the double A level at all. Yeah, then guys like Will Warren, like some other prospects who have promised, but you just have, you know, there's no reason you would expect them to suddenly give you 100 great major league innings right away. So again, we're still talking about the five, st- five spot, but another injury in this, this gets dicey in a hurry. But you just don't, it's a great reminder that the five guys that you show up to spring training with <laughs> That's the thing. in your rotation never make... They never all make 30 starts. It does and not And to happen. be fair to you, you when you were saying about how good the game should be, you also said, like, that's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, it's not, not going to happen. Didn't, we didn't know that we would know that literally, like, a day into spring training as opposed <laughs> to, you know, a month into spring training. But, I mean, yeah. And that's, that's going to happen to other teams, too, man. Like, that's right. – it's we're, we're going to see some injuries. Pitchers are going to get hurt. That's what was great about it. Or not great about it, but – it was, oh my God, Cole and Rodon playing catch next to each other. Everything is hunky-dory and rosy, and Domingo Harmon is out for the... All right, last thing before we get to some transactions. Brian Reynolds, who uh, requested a trade NBA style, um, except he's Brian Reynolds and he's on the Pirates, so he doesn't have as much juice and pull as, say, Kyrie Irving. Uh, he, he showed up to camp and they were like, do you still want to trade? And he was like, yeah. Yeah, I, I do. Right. I think the the info we, we got from Brian Reynolds, extremely stoic. Although, I mean, he's probably one of the least emotive slash expressive slash <laughs> um, excitable, excited players in the whole league. So this isn't just like this is how he always is. So maybe it's not uh, particularly you know fair to say that he was uh, treating it like any sort of specific way. But he also added that like he is open to an extension. But the it seems that part of part of the reason why he wants to get traded is that their extension offers are so insulting to how good he is that he's like that combined with we are not winning is just like I'm out of here uh, or I would like to be out of here. But this is baseball and this isn't basketball. And that means he's probably not going to get traded. <laughs> like, I, I honestly, it's, I, to me, it's that simple. Um, I mean, yes, he's a great player. And yes, maybe some team eventually does, you know, blow them out of the water with this. Um, and. I mean, maybe it'll it'll be interesting this year, right? Like if the Pirates take some marginal step forward, is it harder to trade him? Um, or are they still, if you get crazy offers from him at the deadline, which is totally possible, is it like, screw it, sorry, this is still the best thing for the organization and he doesn't want to be here? Maybe we do that. So I don't really know how it's going to play out, but I, I am very convinced he is not getting traded before opening day. So that's where I'm at on that. Kudos to Brian Reynolds, though, because a lot of players wouldn't do that, I think. And the fact of the matter is most players in that situation would feel the same way. He, that team is not going to pay him and they're not winning. And if he goes out and slips on a banana peel tomorrow and his career changes, he's leaving millions and millions of dollars on the table. And now the pirates don't have to trade him and they don't have to pay him based on, you know, that's just the baseball economic structure we're living in. But Brian Reynolds has every right to say, I don't want to be here. 
I don't want to do this. You are not spending money to win. I'm really good. Please trade me. But, but it is, yeah. Which is okay if he like still shows up and like gives his all and you know and he's going to because that's still he's how he's going to get paid eventually, right? It's not like he's going to try any. Yeah, it's not. That's right. <laughs> Another reason it's not the NBA is you're not just going to either refuse to play or go out there and like half-ass it. <laughs> um, you're he's still you can't half-ass baseball. You're going to get injured, so uh, he's going to still go out and be really good. And, and yeah, I mean it's certainly something to, to watch. Still, I just don't think he it's. I just don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. Well, I'll be at Pirates camp later this week, and I'm excited to see the juxtaposition of that and the Andrew McCutcheon is back celebrations. All right, let's run through a couple of transactions. We got four uh, or three of these, and then we'll get on out of here. Yes. Um, let's do the two that you uh, know about. Uh, the first is that the Padres signed Michael Wonka. This is just interesting because it's like it seems that we're at the stage of free agency where uh pro is looking around like really you're okay all right i'll sign like that's why i still feel like they're gonna sign gary sanchez also <laughs> it's just like they're just like oh no one else okay well let's add another one like they you know it's funny it feels like they're getting to the we have a 35 man active roster the way the dodgers were i'm like how the fuck are all these guys gonna make the team <laughs> like i'm trying to looking at the pitching depth chart and and it's an interesting one like again you can never have too much pitching depth so i get it like i i understand it um, at the same time, like if you're Seth Lugo and you thought you signed up because you're going to now get to start, like, I don't know, man, like, again, whatever, they're going to do their job. He'll pitch in the same role that the Mets did if, if that's what ends up happening. But it is funny with him and Nick Martinez, you know, some of these other guys that they've had. Uh, it's like, wow, this is just now we're adding another one. But as we mentioned, like Waka was awesome last year. I don't really know what to expect from him because he's been so inconsistent. But yeah, Martinez and Lugo both want to start both have had inconsistent results as starters i think martinez last year his era as a starter was around five yeah and so waka is insurance waka is insurance if both of the, neither of these guys are able to make that transition because then you could just toss ramirez and lugo back in the pen and you start waka and you know you still have a really good rotation the other one is that the white Sox, i would say like an hour ago Signed Elvis Andrews to come back to the South side. He played shortstop for them at the end of last year when Tim uh, Anderson was out. It looks like Andrews is going to play second base, which is yeah. notable, right? Because he's never played an inning at second base in his entire career. Yes. And that and the fact that he only got $3 million goes to show that it seems that teams were just not. I mean, he's 34, right? Like, I could imagine there were teams that were not buying the little mini renaissance he had in 2022. At the same time, that is notable, right? But fit-wise, yeah. I mean, they didn't really have, like, it was Larry Garcia, pretty much, you know? And I he was not someone that you really wanted to be starting every day, I think. Uh, I think that's a fair assessment. Uh, you know, him, you know, Romy Gonzalez, you know, they Hanser Alberto's an NRI. But other than that, like, there's really not a ton of depth there. And so Andrews, it's not surprising. Like, like, honestly, right. He was one of the few things that went really well for them last year, you know. And so it's not crazy that they're deciding to run it back, especially for a relatively cheap price. So makes sense. Let's stay with the White Sox and then we will head on out of here. Big news in a different way, Jordan. It came out. Today that uh, Anderson Comas, who is a minor league player for uh, in the Chicago White Sox system, came out as gay earlier today. And we just wanted to touch on this because I think like before we got in, first of all, congratulations to him and the level of bravery and courage it takes to do something like that is really remarkable. And the fact that he's going to get to live 
his truth and live his life um, as he feels is just really amazing. And mm -hmm. I wish him nothing. We wish him nothing but the best. Mm -hmm. Being on the outside of the game for the first part of like our career in baseball, people say like, oh, like baseball locker rooms are just like a really tough, impossible place for a guy to come out. Right. Mm -hmm. And now that we have been in that room, it has reinforced that to like 200 levels. It is such a, like the, the, the male hubris and the expectations of what masculinity is in that space. They're, they're so heavy. They're so heavy. And I could never imagine the level of assuredness and bravery that it takes to, to come out. And he, he came out. There are so many players. There have to be statistically in baseball with how many people there are. There are so many players that don't feel that level of comfort that are probably gay behind the scenes, whether to their teammates or, you know, that their teammates don't know. And like, this is a good day. This is a happy moment. But it is also a reminder, I think, that baseball is not a welcome environment for LGBTQ people and LGBTQ players. Yeah, but I think one thing you mentioned there is I everything I agree with everything you said, right? And that is the sad reality that we're still dealing with. Um, at the same time, like it's encouraging, and I think knowing that hearing some of the stories of some of the players that have come out recently, uh, this came out uh, during the off season. It kind of went under the radar. T.J. House, uh, former uh, big league pitcher, he came out as gay uh, over the off season. You know, he's been out of baseball for a while, but only the third former major leaguer you know, to come out, you know, along with, with Glenn Burke and, and Billy Bean. And like, that's the thing. But when you hear these stories say, actually, no, like my teammates did know my, and we've heard some other minor leaguers, some indie ball players that have come out and talked about it. You know, Kieran Lovegrove, our, our, one of our longest friends, you know, coming out as bisexual recently and his being at the forefront of like pride in baseball and trying to understand these things. Like yeah, the, you, at the same time, I agree with you uh, that it is clearly not a welcoming space, of course. I mean, who are we to, to speak on that? But I have heard enough. I am encouraged, certainly by this, um, and also just by you know anecdotes hearing that like we're moving in the right direction slowly but surely. And and every little one like this makes a is a huge freaking deal. That's the thing. It cannot be yeah. un, it cannot be overstated enough how big of a deal this is. So also just like Anderson Coma is a really interesting player. He signed for four hundred thousand um, dollars out of the Dominican. He's a twenty three year old. Um, he signed as an outfielder, like a really talented outfielder. And it seems that last year he transitioned to pitching. Um, so he, I think it was just like crazy tooled up, uh, crazy on whatever, you know, the bat wasn't taking and they're like, all right, get on the mound. So I don't know what level he's projected to be at this year. Um, but definitely an interesting player that will obviously all be watching a lot more closely. So congratulations kudos to, to him, him. And yeah. Yeah. Kudos to him and, and kudos to some of the other big leaguers that have, you know, spoken out and, uh, mm -hmm. either hit that RT button or the QT button, or, <laughs> you know, I know of some guys who, you know, reach out personally or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. That type of stuff matters. It really, yep. really does. Uh, that is all from us here on Baseball Barbacast. I am Jake Mintz. That is Jordan Schusterman. I am going to get out of this P.F. Chang's parking lot. I need to go get my wife so we can get dinner. <laughs> well said, sir. Uh, thank you all for listening. Thank you to Chris Tyler for producing this episode. Uh, we will be back later this week, hopefully being recorded in the same room. We'll explain that uh, later on this week. Uh, but until then, uh, thank you all for listening to Baseball Barbacast. And we will talk to you very soon. Goodbye.
Sirius XM Podcasts.